0: It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Welcome back from Hamilton. Greg Mackling, hi there. Great to be back, Brett. How you doing?
1: Not too bad, actually. Thank you for uh, the day off yesterday. Needed just a little bit of time catch my breath and uh, get reoriented and uh, get some actual sleep, so it was good (laughs) to uh, get on uh, this side of the Ontario-Manitoba border and just kind of settle back at home, and uh, boom, before you know it, it's uh, already Wednesday. Good morning, Loren. I I I missed you. haven't seen we, you for about like three weeks.
2: It feels it, longer than that. I don't know if there's something about this month, and we've I think we talk about this every November, but November is a leggy, draggy month. And I know it's nice out there, or it has been, and there hasn't been much snow, but November's weird. It's a weird month.
0: It is a weird month, and I was actually. Just, it's funny you mention that because I was just thinking about that yesterday. Because I have said before that November is one of my least favorite months. Might mm-hmm. be my least favorite, but then I sort of thought about the things that that do happen in November. Like we have an important day in Remembrance Day. And uh, and th- all of the discussions that we have leading up to that, uh, you know, I find more and more valuable every year. And then we have the 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 CFL playoffs mm-hmm. and the Grey Cup. So there are some cool things that happen in November, but it can often be uh, the, it got off to a gloomy start. Although it, and at that same time, with that snow on the ground at the beginning of the month, it actually make, made me feel a bit more like seasonally festive. Yes. And then it warmed up and the snow went away. And then that festive feeling disappeared. So, yeah, it's a a weird in-between month because October and December are fun months. And November is kind of a goofy month.
2: You know what November needs? And I know we have our own Thanksgiving and I love it and I like where it is in October. But I have family in the States and was texting with one of them yesterday because it's American Thanksgiving coming up. And in her opinion, it's the best holiday in America. Everyone is chilled, quote, no gifts, almost a whole week off. We eat mac and cheese and beans and other great things with fat in them. And <laughs> it's wonderful. Like it was like, and I thought, you know what? Like I know we have Christmas coming up. I know we had our own Thanksgiving, but maybe November needs just a little something a little dropped in the middle, you know?
0: I, that's actually a really good point about the American Thanksgiving because they, they go bonkers for Thanksgiving and maybe it's the, the lack of gifts. There's no stress.
2: And there's about- more di- I, I, do they not take Greg's uh, Thursday as well? Like it's uh, several days off.
1: Well, I know in California they've had this entire week off. Right. I think in some school systems they get off. And so Thursday's a holiday. Well, do you think you're going back to work on Friday? No. No. So it just sort of unintentionally becomes a a four or five day weekend for a lot of people. Millions of people traveling. I've traveled only once on the Thanksgiving weekend. And it's it is bananas. The best is to travel on Thanksgiving Day. Nobody's traveling that day, but the but the restaurants and everything are closed in the airports by about five o'clock, which kind of stinks because trying to give uh, those folks a a little bit of a break. But, yeah, I I love the holiday. In fact, Derek Taylor and I were talking on the plane on the way home on Monday from Hamilton, and I was determined I was going to hold out and take Thursday off so I could sit at home and watch three football games. (laughs) 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 But I couldn't do it. I couldn't wait until Thursday to take the day off. So, And I know lots of Canadians who sort of plan – to have a couple of days off this week as well because they love their NFL that much. Yes,
2: or they shop, you know, you got Black, Black Friday, Friday sales coming right. up. And I say this, Brett, is someone who just came off a week holiday, so I recognize the irony of me being like, we need more time off in November. <laughs> 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 but I don't know, once I got that text from her yesterday on her just excitement for, uh, it's her first time hosting the American Thanksgiving, I just thought I could use some of that. Like that menu sounds delightful. The Relaxing sounds delightful,
1: Loren. No. I'm just oh, yes. thinking about this. Were you just not on holidays?
2: That's what, oh, okay. that's what I just said. Oh, okay. That's what I just said. I said I say, yeah. and I say this as someone who recognizes they just came okay. off a week in right. holiday. I understand, I under, <laughs> I understand all okay. everything that's coming out of my yeah. mouth. But I think I've said every year one of us has about November. Like, pick a lane already. You don't know if it's cold. You don't know if it's hot. You don't know if it's winter. You don't know if it's fall. The sun doesn't shine as much in November. I don't even know if that's a real fact, but I'm making it one now.
0: <laughs> it often, well, it, it it typically is the one of the gloomiest, if not the gloomiest month, and it did get off to a gloomy start. At least we did finally get some sunshine. It's been pretty good. It's going to be cool, a bit cooler tomorrow, but then it'll warm up just a touch. The next two weeks actually look not bad at all. For serious, yeah, yeah, like the 14-day, uh, depending where you look, like uh, the five-day forecast for Environment Canada, for example, is calling for Monday, Tuesday. Minus seven and minus nine. But, uh, and of course, the long term forecast changes a thousand times. But the yep. weather network is saying minus five, minus three for Monday, Tuesday. And then looking as far ahead as December 6th, it's like minus two, minus two, minus one, minus one, minus one. So hopefully that holds. I'm here for it. Yeah. Yep. Could use a bit of snow on the ground. Would, I'm would. i just about ready for the snow. But feel free to weigh in. What's the worst month? 204-780-6868. I think I'll call it right now that February is my least favorite, followed by typically November.
2: Well, then they should make November shorter. It should also have the... 28 days? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's only 30, but...
0: <laughs> I'd be good with that as well. Um, and actually, somebody brought... I can't remember where the discussion was on that, but somebody said, what well, would you... What would you think of 13 months, but all 28 days? And based on our current pay schedule, I'd be fine with that because then we'd be paid every two weeks instead of twice a month. <laughs> so, oh, don't worry, they'd figure out a way to, to once ru- a month
1: to ruin that.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, is that a, is that an option? I don't know where it came. I think it was just some goof, something, some you know, social media. Tomfoolery, <coughs> but I, I think I'd be okay with that, dude. Then I we could so actually too. complain about lousy, smart weather. Um, so we have <laughs> lots to discuss today on the Arlington Bridge, of course. We'll get into that at 6.35. It's fine. Everything's fine. Nothing nothing, ba- nothing is going to go wrong in traffic. They're closing the bridge indefinitely. It's fine. It, I'm fine. It's just 13,000 vehicles <laughs> to find a, a new way around. It's it's
1: no big deal. No problem. I don't even know why we built the bridge in the first place. <laughs>
0: It is Mackling, McGarry and McNabb talking Arlington Bridge in a moment. But before that, Loren, at seven o'clock, Hal's going to join us to talk car theft.
2: Yeah, I don't know if you ever had your car stolen or maybe even just your car rifled through. But decades ago, it was a real problem in Winnipeg, right? Car thefts were on the rise. And then we did a bunch of things to combat that. They dropped sharply. Well, we've got some new numbers we're going to share with you after seven about where we're at with car theft. And Winnipeg's having quite the year and not in a good way. We'll get more into that after seven.
0: In the meantime, it's been in use off and on for more than a century. But the Arlington Bridge is now closed, Greg, indefinitely. Yes, and I would say there are now all sorts of questions as
1: well as concerns as to what this means for the future of the bridge the people and the neighborhoods that rely on it. But First is Kevin Hirschfeld
3: with what this will mean for... Traffic. Winnipeg's commutes into the north end could take a big shift now for an undetermined amount of time. Here's what you need to know about the traffic situation now with that Arlington Street bridge shutting down. All traffic is being asked to detour across those rail yards via either the McPhillips Street underpass, which is west of the Arlington, or the Slaw-Rebchuk Bridge, which is on Salter Street. That's east of the Arlington. The city is asking drivers to get on these routes as early as possible during morning and afternoon rush hour commutes by using either Selkirk Avenue or Notre Dame Avenue. That would avoid any bottlenecks at Logan Avenue and at Dufferin Avenue. So a lot to go through there. And those who drive the Arlington know that there are annual closures for maintenance, but this goes beyond that. Those closures are always done in the warmer months, the spring or the summer. So the city says there is some concern about doing this with winter on the way and what that means for traffic. Now, numbers from the city show more than 13,000 vehicles go over that bridge every single day. That number, though, going to be zero for quite some time.
2: If you're thinking, haven't we talked about this before? Yeah, I know in modern times we've talked about it, but guys, I'm just going through a blog that's done by West End Dumplings. That's put together by historian Christian Cassidy. Do yourself a favor and just Google uh West End Dumplings Arlington Bridge because he's found articles going back to 1943 where they started repairs because of course, you know, it officially opened uh in the early 1900s. And so decades of maintenance were required there were conversations going back 60 70 years about you know this bridge's time is nigh and mm. yet here we are talking again and again and again about the need to fix it the need to maybe replace it what do we do with it and so with all of that history the city's manager of engineering held a news conference yesterday to talk about the bridge's condition and the why on its closure here's global's Rosanna hempel
4: Brad Nerick says the Arlington Bridge behind me here is heavily corroded and that it can't withstand the pressures the way that it used to. Now this all coming from a study the city conducted this year on the feasibility of repairing it.
5: Everything is kind of adding up now that the deterioration the, the is accelerating. It's widespread. We undertook some maintenance this fall. Uh, it's starting to accelerate more than we thought.
4: These concerns aren't entirely new. The city's been considering the Arlington Bridge's future for nearly a decade. Engineers confirmed in 2016 it was nearing the end of its life since 2019. A preliminary design for a new bridge in the area has been sitting on a list of unfunded capital projects nearing telling us their decision to pump the brakes on traffic over the bridge now has more to do with containing risk
5: we don't want to get to the point where we have a collapse and we're not near that point so i'm not saying we're even close to that right now but there's things we got to do to mitigate the risk and make sure that the, the the structure structural integrity is is there
4: Nearing says next steps include looking into whether the bridge can be reopened at some point in the future or removed entirely. He says we'll know more by February.
1: So I can remember, and it goes back to the late 60s. I was doing a little research.
4: Your grandpa can remember.
1: Oh, I'm, yeah, well, no, (laughs) yes, absolutely. Uh, But there was a conversation in the 60s and 70s in particular about creating another mm-hmm. crossing or under the Sherbrooke McGregor overpass or underpass was something that was discussed since the late 1960s. I can remember when the Key Waitin underpass finally opened. So you've got Route 90, you've got Key Waitin, you've got McPhillips, you've got Salter and you've got Main Street. Think about all of the residential and industrial development that's happened in the northwest corner of the city of Winnipeg, straight up McPhillips. You've got a brand new development, West St. Paul, one of the fastest growing, uh, urban areas in Western Canada. And if a majority of those people try and make their way towards downtown on a regular basis, Arlington was sort of a regional, right? You you might deek over and use Arlington, but there's that whole section in the center of the North End and Garden City that would use that Arlington corridor. Well, now those people are going to kind of have to go further east or further west, and the strain on on those underpass, those other underpasses, and uh, Slaw Rebchuk Bridge. Is this going to be magnified? And we haven't done anything brand new with any of them, widened any of those, like, since the 80s. You'll
2: love this quote, I think, Brett, because, you know, there have been some refurbishments. They've poured millions in different sections of that bridge over the years to to shore it up, so to speak, to make sure that it's as safe as possible. And now here we are. But in 1978, Brett, according to uh, blogger Christian Cassidy, the headline from the Winnipeg Free Press Says the city needs to go ahead with the new overpass. That's already spent millions of dollars studying and studying. Quote: The area has been studied to death. <laughs> Nineteen seventy-eight. Does that sound familiar?
0: So, for basically for for me and you, Lauren, it's a lifetime yeah. of the of the same old, same old.
2: Yeah, and and again, I understand you're not just going to build a new bridge every time one starts to wear down. You're going to find ways to extend its lifespan. It's just that this this is one of those conversations that we have in Winnipeg where you think, are we still talking about this? And I get there's not an endless pot of money that they can just dip their hand into. They have to decide strategically where does it make sense to spend this money. But another study, if one is coming, I don't know if that makes sense. We had one just a few years ago. We've been sort of kicking this down the road, kicking it down the road because other projects have taken priority. Well, now what? If you're one of those 13,000 people that use it every day, that's who I want to hear from this morning. What does this mean to your route? What does this add to your commute? And if you're in that neighborhood where you have business, where you rely on quick in and out, you know, what does it mean to the future and the viability of your neighborhood? There are other ways in. It's not like you're suddenly an island. But this might make, have an impact on, on your economy. So let us know. 780-6868.
0: Question of the day at CJOB.com from Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace 204-832-6243 with the Arlington Bridge. Should the city decommission it and build a new one? 52.54% voted for that. 36% voted not replace it at all. 12% say spend what we have. Spend what we what we have to to fix it. Cast your vote, CJOB.com. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. So with the Arlington Bridge closing indefinitely, it's been standing since 1912, we, we want to ask you for a chance to win tickets to see Frozen in concert with the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra on Saturday at the Centennial Concert Hall. What is a piece of infrastructure or a building or a monument or a park or whatever you wish would be fixed up and restored? Or maybe there's something that has been restored. And they did a good job, like a statue or something. 204-780-6868. We'll pick a winner at 915. As it turns out, that we've got two people on the panel today who are relatively fresh, new to Manitoba. Let's start with Sarah McCarthy. You've been in Winnipeg now how long?
4: Almost two years in March. Okay. Oh, wow. Yes, I know. Crazy. But yeah, so for me, the piece of infrastructure I travel the most is between here and my home of Dryden. And so I would love to see the day when the number one is twinned around the West Hawk Falcon Lake area. Um, That double lane up until then is great. It's amazing. And they've started to do the work on the Ontario side. So just when all that can meet together and be two lanes, it'd be so great.
2: (laughs) It's used. happening, I think. It
4: right?
2: Yeah. I think it's happening. I'm yeah, it's sure. hap- its allegedly <laughs> happening. It's <laughs> happening.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but that's a good one, yeah. and because uh, I, mean, I get, to, I'll go out that way maybe mm-hmm. once every three years. So that's not something I ever would have thought of. Mm-hmm. And Ross, what about you? You're all—you've been here how long now? Uh, it was two years Labor Day, so just over two years. And and when I came downtown for the
6: first time, I was like, wow, this Exchange District, the architecture so great. Like this has to be a p- place where people hang out, no? And Turns out, not really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I feel like I'm kind of combining all the things, parks, you know, restaurants, all, all these things. I feel like we could make the Exchange District a little more vibrant. And look what Toronto did with the Distillery District. Everyone goes, hangs out there. You got old Montreal by the old port, right? These kind of old historic neighborhoods where now it's like a new generation getting to appreciate them. There's the market in Ottawa. You know, every city, it feels like, has that area. We have it here, but it it feels like it's somewhere that people don't gather. I wish that uh, people put some money into it where,
0: you know, it was a, a meeting place and somewhere that people could still be proud of. Great point, and it's cool that you picked up on the how, how awesome the Exchange District is. The architecture's unreal down here. Mm-hmm. Every time I walk home through the Exchange District, I see something I've never noticed before. So I go out of my way, in fact, to look for cool stuff that I have missed. Uh, Greg, why don't you go next? Well, it's something I lament
1: uh, the loss of. I wish they would have done the typical Winnipeg thing and studied it for decade after decade after <laughs> decade. And that's the streetcars that disappeared uh. in 1955. You'll see remnants of them every once in a while, in particular at Broadway and Osborne. <laughs> You'll see an old piece of the track will stick up through the concrete or the asphalt. Uh, I know when they were building the bike lanes here on Notre Dame they had to dig up a big section of old streetcar track. Uh yeah, the the disappearance of the streetcars and and the and the hasty hasty decision that that was very un-Winnipeg for them to move quick quickly on a major decision and I really wish that the the streetcars or or at least uh, some of those routes had been preserved because I I think uh, it would have meant uh, a very more it's ironic that by engaging the past, we might have had more of a futuristic ability to connect neighborhoods, as it turns
0: out. I like that. and uh, yeah, It's just a sort of piece of legend for me, the, these streetcars. Um, Loren. what about you?
2: I appreciate the practicality of Sarah's suggestion, the magic <laughs> in uh, Levitans, and, and the in-betweenness of Greg's. I'm just going to go with, like, I'd like to see the return, not at all playgrounds, But just, you know, a couple in each neighborhood of the playground that almost killed you, you know, like now they're (laughs) like, for example, and I always bring it back to Clear Lake, I know, but there used to be a playground there that like it made no sense that they allowed kids to play on that. Like it had a chain link type fence thing that you'd climb to the top, a fireman's pole in the middle. With zero railing, right? Like, just go down, like, just get on there and go. The slides launched you off. There was a tunnel, like, that you'd climb, you'd crawl through, or who knows what went down in the tunnel once you got to a certain teenage phase. And the park that's <laughs> since replaced it is super cute and safe. But I look at that once a year and think, man, we need to have a couple playgrounds where it's like play at your own risk, kids. Play at your own risk <laughs> and bring that back.
6: And, uh, Forte, what about you? It's funny that Greg said, Streetcars, because there's actually a monument of a streetcar on the property of the place that I think, and that's the uh, Pantages Playhouse Theater. Oh, cool. uh, yeah. The last time I think there was a pro- performance, there was in 2018, so it's been five years. Uh, and I think there's been problems. I think it was sold, and then COVID happened, and then the owners uh, s- sold it to someone else. And there are plans of bringing it back, but uh, it's just such a cool theater if you've ever been in there. And uh, it opened in, uh, here, February 9th, 1914. So it's oh, almost wow. 110 years old. It's a beautiful building. If you've ever been in it, it's fabulous. And I remember uh, playing there in band in junior high. Like, that's where we did our performances. You got to play in school what? there? Yeah, throughout oh, cool. uh, throughout junior high.
1: Throughout?
6: Like, multiple <laughs> times? Yeah. And that's how come awesome. I was in
2: the gym and you were at Pantages Theater? Because
1: you were in the country, Loren. <laughs>
2: I never
6: played at Pantages. Yeah, and then high school we played at the concert hall, but uh no What? It's... <laughs>
2: what? Yeah Okay, wait a minute. Let's I'm about just to think throw about my this. chair through the window. I feel like Fort J had a higher level of musicality than the rest of us. So maybe he was just in a better band.
6: Hey. Well, I I played percussion. <laughs>
4: percussion, not the drums. Percussion.
6: Percussion. Well actually I was in jazz band, so I also played the drums there, so
0: that's so cool, buddy, that, that you got to do Fantastic. that. And that's a great uh, great item. And, oh, and
6: some of the floors in there, like, when you're walking like backstage, like, they're wooden and creaky, like, <laughs> like it's, just, it's
1: such an old building, it's cool. <laughs> you hear and feel and smell the history backstage at Pantages. Absolutely fabulous place.
0: And if I were to just uh, sing the praises of a couple of things that have been restored, I gotta take it back to Transcona for the A, the High Neighbour statue, which got yeah. a facelift in recent years, and the uh, CN2747 locomotive the steam locomotive that's on Plessy's it used to just be behind this dilapidated old fence and now it's been restored and it's uh the beautiful structure built around it so the the preservation project that they undertook several years uh is pretty cool and you can learn more about that at the Transcona Museum website uh it's pretty awesome so let us know the thing you would like to see get fixed up or the thing that has been fixed up and you think hey good job Is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Fifteen years ago, Winnipeg had made a name for itself, Loren, as the car theft capital of Canada.
2: Yeah, we were really uh had a reputation for that because it was happening so often in this city. But then, you know, we really cracked down on it. There was an auto theft suppression strategy that was introduced. If you lived here at that time, you might remember all the initiatives that it included, like the use of ignition immobilizers there was also a program uh, where they worked with youth deemed at risk to steal cars there was police who uh, were also part of their own group that was really targeting auto theft and so a lot of things started to improve but we've got new numbers this morning that perhaps we're seeing a shift at least in recent years cjob's hal anderson of connecting winnipeg with hal has been looking into the data and joins us now good morning hal
7: Well, good morning, and I was reading, you know, more and more about stolen vehicles uh, here and across the country, and I thought, I'm going to reach out to police and and get the latest stats. So here's what we're on track to do for stolen vehicles this year. We are on track for 3,438 stolen cars this year, according to to the latest stats. That's almost 10 a day. I think that's pretty significant. Now that's down a bit from last year. I don't think you can really include the the COVID years, but last year we're actually down a little bit. So the past couple of years have been bad. This year we're on track to do 11.1% more in stolen vehicles than the five-year average. Um, so those are the those are the numbers. It is a problem, and it's becoming more of a problem here in Winnipeg as well.
1: Hal, I remember having an immobilizer installed in one of my vehicles, if not two, back in the day earlier in this century. I've had yeah. two vehicles stolen in my lifetime. It's not a lot of fun. Why are cars being stolen? Do we know? For jaw rides? Are they being used in other crime? What, what's happening to them? Do we know? I
7: think there's some of all of that, Greg, but uh, I reached out to Lorraine Sommerfeld. She's an automotive journalist. She knows her stuff on everything relating to cars, and she tells me that many of these stolen cars are ending up in African countries.
8: We're basically the world's shopping cart. They send their wish list, and organized crime is picking them out of our usually the most expensive pockets, and now Winnipeg is joining in that line, I see. So, yeah, we're supplying the rest of the world. It's not like that in the U.S., but it's like that here.
7: Why is it different
9: here?
8: Part of it is um, the Port of Montreal, it's very easy to get stuff out of there, and law enforcement is working on it, and the government's working on it, but we all know that takes a lot of time. But basically, you've got um, the Toronto area and Montreal and Quebec and a lot of money, a lot of money. People are buying very, very expensive cars, and those are the vehicles, the big SUVs, the fancy pickup trucks. that is what is coveted by these other places in the world. And so because of you can drive you can drive a truck through the loopholes in the ports. so they're getting them out very quickly, and it's lucrative, absolutely lucrative. And the biggest, biggest problem is those really fun, keyless fobs that everybody thought they wanted 15 years ago. We need keys because now you know they interrupt the signal they can steal them so quickly what used to take half an hour takes two minutes
7: so there you go Brett. it's the keyless fobs in a lot of these cases and these vehicles uh you know 50 60 70,000 vehicles imagine those being stolen sent to an african country that can be uh you know used to make a lot of profit
0: so what can we do as car owners any prevention tips
7: well, so I suggested to Lorraine maybe we need to go old school.
0: You're saying technology is
7: part of the problem here. Is it time for me to go and find that club I I stuck in a tote in my garage? Do I need to get the old club out again?
8: Yeah, my father would be so vindicated if he was alive. <laughs> He used to make us do that. No, law enforcement is saying layers, layers of things. The club is a cheap thing you can do. It will send some, someone along to the next car instead of yours. But my stink with all of this is that manufacturers should be putting things in place in their cars. Why do I have to spend sixty, seventy, eighty, hundred thousand dollars $100,000 on a vehicle right. and then spend another couple thousand on immobilizers and, you know, locks? It's crazy.
7: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. And Honda CRV number one on the list for the second year in a row, top stolen vehicle, followed by the Dodge Ram and the Ford F-150 series. So uh, these are the vehicles, that's the top three anyhow, these are the vehicles that these bad guys uh, overseas want. Yeah,
8: the CUVs and the SUVs. And you do have to take into consideration the CU, the CRV. It's only a 1.2% frequency rate because there's so many on the road. So it's number one. But something like a Range Rover is coming in at 5.9 frequency, which means that's the odds of it going missing. If there's For every 100, six are going. And last year it was the Lexus RX series. 9.4% frequent, if you had one. That was the odds that it would be stolen. So, yes, take a look at the place on the list, but read that frequency column as well to give yourself, you know, a clearer indication of how much risk you're at with your vehicle.
7: Automotive journalist Lorraine Summerfield. And I was only kind of kidding about digging through that tote in the garage and finding the club because (laughs) um you know, if they see the club, they move on to the next car. Mm -hmm. Might not be a bad idea to throw the club on that, you know, sixty, seventy thousand dollar SUV.
1: I've got one on my MGB that that, that I can't go. start, but it's on there. Yep. <laughs> I've had one for 20 years on that machine, yeah. and uh, I might have to put it on my other vehicles. Might have to find another one. Gee whiz. Thanks for lots, this, Al. Lot,
7: yeah, and lots more coming up on Connecting
0: Winnipeg at 10. It is Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. We're asking you this morning, given that the Arlington Bridge is being shut down indefinitely, what's a piece of infrastructure, monument, a building, whatever, that you would either like to see fixed up and restored or maybe has been fixed up and restored and you love it? And Loren, you pointed out Evelyn with a great suggestion.
2: Well, this has come up from time to time. She wants to take us back to the 70s. And I might have even been into the 80s and 90s when you'd put your trash into an orbit garbage can that used to be on the Manitoba highways. They were so cool. I don't know why we got rid of them.
10: Yeah, those that's big white
2: round orbs, right? And you'd pull over. And I don't know if that was a safety thing, perhaps. Eventually, you don't want maybe you don't want people pulling over like that on major highways. But it was nice to have those trash cans along the way.
0: They yeah. were iconic. Big time. Iconic. And Alan... Not, oh, go ahead, Lauren. Sorry. I would
2: say not to mention that they, your trash then ends up like you, every gas station is overflowing with people's True. garbage from their cars, right? Because you're just pulling over and getting rid of anything and everything. So yeah, bring back the orbit.
0: And... Alan Duff with a great suggestion on something that has been fixed up, pointing, and I can't believe I didn't think of this because I went to Red River College now, RRC Polytech, but the Red River downtown campus, the one on uh, on Princess, including so the, the what they did on Princess, where they they kept the facade. It looks fantastic where they built the, the brand new building behind it. Uh, but also the when they the, where they put all their their culinary stuff in the old World Bank building on Main Street. Uh, the, the renovations kept the heritage, modernized the buildings to modern standards, thus saving a pretty cool part of Winnipeg's heritage. And that Royal mm-hmm. Bank building used to be the tallest skyscraper, mm-hmm. I think, in North America, if I'm not mistaken, at the time it was
1: built. Yeah, well, we'll have Brent Bellamy on later on this morning, 935. He always talks about where that structure fits in terms of history
0: and tallest and first and all that. So we'll ask him. There you go. So keep those coming at 204-780-6868. Something you would like to see fixed up or something that has been fixed up. And I also just wanted to mention on the, the car theft thing. Uh, it's funny, you know, Hal made the joke, but I was kind of thinking it too about the club. I used to have a club. I had it. I mean, it was a garbage car. <laughs> it was a, It was a 1993 Ford Taurus, but I had a club on it. And uh, why did you have a club on it?
1: Because I didn't want it to get stolen. Exactly. The the disruption in your life, if you'd had your car stolen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, it's huge. I mean, you can't the put wait a all cl- around
2: You wait for the claim. Then you got to go out and find another one. You might not be able to afford one given different prices. Used cars are, are, from all accounts, almost impossible to find at a decent rate. I mean, you'd be in a real pickle. not to sound like my grandmother. You'd be in a real <laughs> Pickle, Brett.
0: Well, it's just a disruption enough if someone breaks into your car. Like someone broke into that Taurus to steal the $1.11 I had in nickels and dimes in my coin tray. And shame on me for leaving that exposed. Lesson learned, but uh, that created a disruption. I had to go get it fixed, and it was a pain to deal with. So you can feel free to weigh in on the car theft stuff or the infrastructure stuff. What would you like to see get fixed up or what has been fixed up that really makes you happy to see? We'll pick a winner for the Frozen and concert tickets at 9.15. It is... At the Forks, we got minus three, the airport minus six, outside 680 CJOB. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, more on the Arlington Bridge in just a moment, but inspired by the closure of the Arlington Bridge, we're asking you this morning at 204-780-6868 to tell us about a piece of infrastructure something that you would either like to see fixed up or something that has been fixed up and restored. And Greg, what does Shauna have to say?
1: Well, this was another project that was debated for an awfully long time, and that's the Moray Bridge, if you live in Charleswood or St. James. Uh, You know the history of this bridge, potentially. And Shauna says that she says that that moray overpass between Portage and Roblin was an upgrade for the city. That was so needed and helpful for people in St. James. Bonus, because of it, we got a house that had to be removed to build it. We moved it north of the city, and my dad currently still lives in it.
0: That's neat. So thank you for that, Shauna. So keep those coming for a chance to win tickets to see Frozen in concert. We'll pick a winner at 915. In the meantime, will the Arlington Bridge ever reopen? If it remains closed, will it ever be replaced?
2: Those are just a few of the questions many of you have after hearing the 121 year old bridge has closed indefinitely. That is a decision that impacts at least 13,000 drivers that use it every day, not to mention pedestrians. Now, Ross Eadie is the councillor for the Minarski Ward. That's an area that's seen that bridge close for repairs dozens of times over the past few decades. And in the past, those closures always had a date for reopening. But right now, there is no date for reopening. The city says it needs to see to study, to see if there's more that can be done to extend the Arlington Bridge's lifespan because regular maintenance just isn't cutting it anymore. Councillor Edie joined Global News Morning about an hour ago and he's he's steamed.
9: We have all these suburban councillors who have no... Inkling about why we really need the Arlington Bridge, you get people saying, Oh the yards are going to move cpr 's out of the city that 's not happening let 's get serious about it that 's billions and billions of dollars let 's get this bridge a new bridge built i don 't even know why they 're wasting their time to continue a study to find out about how much it 's going to cost to waste uh, uh, to uh, fix the steel and everything it's going to be about 200 million dollars why not spend the 340 million dollars and get the thing done and we'll have a new bridge that'll last for 100 years if the railway leaves well that's fine let's get that bridge there we need an active transportation trail uh, along there as well and i'd like to see the arlington bus go over a bridge And even if they fix it for another 25 years and spend that millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, it's still not going to accommodate a bus. So I ask the question of my fellow councillors because we have to have the will to get the Arlington Bridge replaced before we widen Keniston, which already has a good bridge, already has a road, and and before we do the Cheap Pegues Trail.
1: Our next guest is a civil engineering professor at the University of Manitoba. We say hello once again to Ahmed Shalabi. Good morning, professor. Good morning. So, I don't think anyone is really all that surprised that we've we've arrived at this destination as it, as it pertains to the Arlington Bridge. At the same time, it's clear an indefinite closure could have been prevented. What's your reaction to this circumstance?
10: I, I think this uh the Arlington bridge is now at a stage where uh it's not clear whether re- maintaining it is more effective or replacing is more effective. So that's why I think it's uh we, we're in this situation where where we don't know yet what it will take to uh keep it operational for another 20 25 years uh versus what it needs uh, what you need for Uh, rebuilding it, and whether you need to rebuild it at the same location or not. I think these are all kind of broader questions that are being asked, and and there is no clear answer today to whether, um, depending on the condition of the bridge, which was just uh, assessed uh, in the last few weeks, uh, I think it will become more um, clear what it will take to keep this in operation, whether it will uh, be able to handle a bus or not, Uh, And whether it's sufficient for active transportation or not, given its uh, very steep approaches and and all all the problems that we know uh, uh, with the Arlington Bridge.
2: Yeah, we've been talking about problems with this bridge for years, Ahmed. And at the same time, you know, drivers and pedestrians are being told today and in the days ahead, you know, you've got other options. There's other ways to get in and out of that neighborhood. And so some might view it as an inconvenience. Others might say it's a critical piece of infrastructure. So how, how do we prioritize, and that might be challenging, what is deemed critical?
10: Yes, what is deemed critical is what uh, we need for uh, emergency services, what we need for uh, traffic to, to flow uh, towards uh, downtown and out of downtown, what we need for every um, jurisdiction, every community in the, in the city uh, to have uh, access to jobs, to, to um, economic development. So, uh, you know, critical here means uh, a lot of things, but mainly it's uh, whether we have access to emergency services. Um, you know, with the Arlington Bridge, um, the city, of course, uh, as every city, is under a lot of pressure. There is a lot of, uh, you know, bridges of the same vintage that are also going to be coming up for, for maintenance and or replacement. Uh, there are definitely limited amount of funds and, and uh, unclear whether uh, there will be participation from other levels of government, uh, you know, uh, and how much uh, will they contribute to a project of this nature. So that that puts a lot of pressure on cities in prioritizing what to do and when to do it. And, you know, this bridge served us for 111 years. I think that's uh, wonderful. That's, that's the good news. Uh, the issue is now uh, whether replacing it is more effective than maintaining it. And, and that's, uh, that's yet to be decided. And, and that's where, where this uh, pause is. Uh, uh, and, and the pause is really to uh, make sure we don't exceed the level of risk to the public and to, to uh, CP uh, um, rail uh, that, that we're at right now. So it, it's really, I, in my view, it's a temporary pause uh, until we have more information. And, and you know all these decisions are going to be based on um, information and and, and uh, close examination of um, the bridge itself and and what it can handle.
0: Our net, our guest is a civil engineering professor at the University of Manitoba. Ahmed Shalabi, joining us live on the start. And Ahmed, let's say let's say the, the, hypothetically they decide can't reopen the bridge. We got to build a new one. How long would that process take?
10: I, I think there is actually a long way between. Uh, uh, We'll close the bridge and, and build a new one because a new one is uh, – it depends what function we want in the new one. I know there has been a design made uh, in 2016, but, uh, you know, things change too and, and whether the same requirements for active transportation particularly are still uh, valid or not. Uh, in terms of how long it takes, it, it will take, uh, you know, no less than two, two years, I would say, uh, and maybe longer given that uh, there is, a, you know, 50 – rail lines under that bridge and you want to be able to you know, cp you want to be able to use them um, you know uh, so so it, it's it's the difficulty is going to be a lot of uh, delays uh, due to uh, trying to keep the rail lines uh, operational uh, during construction so that's really adds uh, another wrinkle to reconstructing a bridge of
1: this nature. Professor, back in the late 60s, early 70s, there was conversation about building a tunnel or an underpass, the Sherbrooke-McGregor overpass, a couple of different things the city was looking at. The population of the city then was, you know, like 380,000 people and then maybe a half a million. Now we're at 850 and we've got... All these developments going on in the northwest corner of the city, not just residential, but commercial as well. West St. Paul is booming and we haven't increased. In fact, now we've decreased the accessibility to the center of the city for people living on that side of the rail yards. This just seems like horrifically poor planning on the part of the city and the municipal board.
10: I would say you know we do have a problem with with planning and and it's difficult to uh, to resolve given the limited funding. Um, our, our, you know all the what you mentioned is great news. We're growing. We have um, you know more activity. This is all great. But the network, the footprint of the network, hasn't really changed much in the last 50 years or more. Uh, you know we, we don't have uh, space to build any. Uh, new roads or any, anything else to, to connect the city uh, better. So we're, we're basically packing more traffic and more people on the same network. That, that puts an emphasis on uh, public transportation, on ability to uh, shift some of the travel to active transportation so people can walk and bike. and uh, uh, that, That's all going to be very important to distribute the, the, the load over the network. So it's not all... Um, you know, vehicles with with uh, with one person in them, driving in and out of the city. Uh, that that is very difficult to maintain, very expensive to maintain, also for for any city. Um, you know, the the issue of building an underpass under um, uh, the rail yard. Uh, there are fifty, nearly fifty rail lines, and and an underpass there is also going to be very very expensive. So it's it's really not. Uh, the best location to build anything, given the width of uh, or the length of that bridge uh, and the fact that it passes over so many rail lines and, and they need to be uh, operational and they need to be maintained and, and, and connected. and So it, it is a difficult uh, project to get into, for sure.
0: Well, Ahmed, thank you very much for your insight. As always, we appreciate the time.
10: It's My pleasure. Thank you.
0: It is Mackling McGarry and McNabb. We're going to talk some Jets in a moment. Winnipeg Jets back in action tonight. But before that, some more great feedback on the Arlington Bridge.
1: Pam says, I was driving over the bridge in 2021 and stopped for the red light. Whilst (laughs) she said, wow, I'm going to just because I. Haven't used whilst this week. Sitting there, I noticed a hole ahead of me in the road, and I could actually see the ground below through oh, good. said hole. They closed the bridge down that weekend to do the repair. Damn,
0: that was scary from Pam. And then another listener saying, consideration should be made to temporarily open the bus and taxi lanes on McPhillips mm-hmm. until the bridges are placed. Oh, I see. That's the, what, the diamond lanes or whatever? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And just as Greg was referencing about an hour ago to give people more options, I mean, you can't have buses go over that bridge in the first place. Now cars can't go over, people can't go over. And so they need to find ways to expand, you know, other forms of transportation if this bridge is going to remain closed. I I don't think we're suddenly going to find out Monday, you know, that we're good to go. So this could be a while.
0: All right, so keep that feedback coming at 204-780-6868, and you can weigh in on our question of the day at com, which has to do with the Arlington Bridge. And in our next segment, we, want, we were talking car theft earlier, and may, is it time to bring back the club? Well, we've got a couple of people with some cautionary tales on that and how thieves can defeat the club. But right now, let's talk some hockey, because following a nearly perfect Four and one, five-game homestand. The Winnipeg Jets are back on the road for their next three games beginning tonight in Tampa, where they will face the Lightning.
1: Winners of three straight, the Jets have collected 14 of a possible 20 points in their last 10 games, going six Two and two, and it seems as though every time you turn around, a uh, different player is coming off of a multi-point performance, and/or is in the midst of a multi-game point scoring streak. Ken Weeb covers the Jets for the Free Press and is, of course, also a critical part of our Jets coverage team here on Six Eighty CJOB. Any Arlington Bridge stories, Ken Weeb? Before we get going today. Yes. uh, Good morning, all. I I do not, uh, you know, some of the offices
5: where I've worked in my previous uh, jobs are close to that area, but uh, from the south end, I I have not gone over that bridge a ton of times in my uh, in my journalistic career. So, uh, I have no horror stories of seeing the ground, uh, unfortunately. Can I tweet uh,
2: fortunately, out? I mean, fortunately, I think that you are
1: Fortunately, no yes,
5: yes, yes. Story, <laughs> Lorraine, yes, catching me on guard here.
1: Uh, Ken, I'm going to tweet tweet out uh, that Ken Weeb is afraid of the Arlington Bridge. There you go. Uh, okay, yes,
5: confirmed. Per- confirmed.
1: <laughs> it has been a solid stretch of results for the Jets over the past couple of weeks, Ken. That's the operative word in, in my setup here. Last year, I would phrase things exactly the same way, suggesting the points gained in in the standings weren't telling the entire story are the jets worthy of their scoreboard and standing success thus far in 2023
5: yeah i think they are greg i mean not i think they are i mean if you, with the exception of the opening night loss to the calgary flames i mean most of their you know regulation losses have come against teams that uh lead their divisions or uh, their respective divisions so to me it's it's more about the brand of hockey they're playing uh They're not uh, just beating up on bottom feeders. Uh, They're playing mostly structurally sound hockey. Uh, They're getting contributions from all four lines and their back end. And I would say that, you know, quite frankly, I don't expect their goaltending to be sub 900. So that's not to blame the goaltending. But I think there's another level to be reached by the goaltenders. Both Connor Hellebuck and Lauren Brassois. And their special teams is an area that also has room for improvement, especially the penalty kill, which was seventh in the NHL last year. And and although they're inching up the rankings, they're still in that middle to bottom third. So uh, full marks to this to date, but certainly still room for improvement.
2: As we head into this game tonight, Ken, it gives me great pleasure to say that Kyle Connor is actually tied with the least Austin Matthews for the league goal scoring lead. Connor, of course, playing with Shifley. And in the past several weeks, it's been with Alex Ayafalo, on that top line can we talk about how they're performing together ken
5: sure loren i mean that line has been great for the for the jets obviously Uh, you know a lot of talk about gabriel velarde uh, coming out of training camp just with him being the centerpiece of the pierre Dubois trade Uh, but after he was injured in the third game against his former team uh, mason alston got a brief cameo but alex i follow has really uh, been able to thrive on that line Uh, he's kind of an energizer bunny type of player does a lot of the hard leg work and uh, Kyle's just been on a, an absolute rampage here of late. I mean, 14 goals already. Uh, and again, this was key for the Jets. Kyle, I mean, it sounds crazy to say Kyle Connor dipped to 31 goals, but the previous year he had 47. So that was a significant drop-off, even for a guy who's been a consistent goal scorer. Uh, and then rounding out the line, I mean, Mark Shifley's playing, I would say his best hockey of probably his entire career. I mean, the only time he uh, you would suggest it be in the same mix would be the 2018 playoff run. So... And it's just the two-way play of Shifley that has been uh, such a revelation here. But now it's about sustaining it and trying to build uh, over this next stretch here.
0: So last season, head coach Rick Bonus emphasized the importance of contributions from his defense on the score sheet. We all know what Josh Morrissey did in what many would consider a breakout season. Number 44 aside, can you talk about the point production the Jets continue to receive from their back end?
5: Yeah, you bet, Brett. I mean, it's been a point of emphasis for the Jets both last year and this year again, and I think they're off to a great start on that front. Eight goals already, I think 42 points if my math is correct, and uh, that's not just Josh. I mean, Josh is still leading the way, obviously, with 16 of those points, but, you know, Brendan Dillon and Dillon DeMello both have seven points. I mean, with Brendan Dillon, he's got four goals already this year. Uh, That's a pretty high number for a guy known more for his physical play and defensive uh, zone work, so... Uh, they've been do, really doing a nice job of keeping plays alive and you know, making some nice contributions from that back end. And it's something that the Jets need. I mean, even though they have four lines going, uh, when you get contributions from the back end, it really helps uh, stretch out your offense. And they've done it at, without the expense of their defensive zone play, which is critical.
1: And the Jets just been so good five on five this year. A player who was, uh, I think a lot of people saw as a, Power play specialist, uh, Ken. I have to ask about Patrick Line and the situation he's in in Columbus. Benched in the Blue Jackets last game, I think it was on Sunday. Jets fans will have an eye on what's going there. Any thoughts?
5: Oh, absolutely, Greg. I mean, uh, one of the classic lines, Patrick, always a very honest person when he was here with the Jets. Uh, hockey is hard was one of his uh, most telling quotes of all time. And uh, quite frankly, right now, hockey is hard for Patrick Uh struggling uh, to get things going offensively they try to position change uh, the thinking being that they're a little bit thin down the middle and Patrick would have the uh, puck on his stick a bit more Uh, that hasn't translated into results and uh, obviously a healthy scratch not a great scenario and Patrick himself once again the true honesty uh, saying it's the most embarrassing thing that's happened to him in his career so uh, he's a proud individual I expect him to get things turned around uh, but yeah, it's tough times for for Patrick Liney, the former Jet, and for you know Pascal Vincent, who uh, took over after the tough scenario there. Uh, you know, great great to see him get his first crack at it, but uh, things not going overly well right now in Columbus. But uh, I do like the fact that he's trying to hold players accountable, and you know he said it himself: no player is above the team, and that includes Patrick Liney. So that's why the decision was made.
0: Ken Weeb joining us live for our weekly Wednesday Jets chat. Thank you very much, sir. We appreciate it. Thanks for having the guys. Have a great day and uh, bundle up. Uh, that sound
5: of minus 22 in the break is not overly appealing for when I get home on Tuesday. Oh, says the guy going to Florida,
1: going to Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Ken.
0: <laughs> Have a great day, guys. Get lost, we can. Ken. Weeb covers we can. the Jets for the Free Press. He's <laughs> a big part of our Jets coverage team here on 680 CJOB. It is Mackling McGarry and McNabb last chance to get in on the contest Frozen in concert Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra this weekend at the Centennial Concert Hall they're playing the Disney movie Frozen now a beloved classic huge movie and they're going to play the music live and we're asking you what's something that you would like to see get fixed up or what's something that has been fixed up or refurbished and you think it's cool like Tom who pointed to Five Eleven River Avenue. It's the old Church of Science. It's a condo now. Like if you were to roll past there, you might not pick that up. It still looks like an old church, but they gutted it and put condos in there, and they they spruced up the outside, and it looks pretty cool.
2: What's that church? Is it on? It's near. It's in Wolseley off Maryland, I think. Okay. Did they turn that into a bunch of really cool condos, like a and in, in small towns? That's been popular Popular to take the old churches and turn them into different type apartments because the population doesn't drive that church anymore. I think that would be a really cool space.
1: There is for sure one a church that's been converted to condos on North Main. I want to say around Church Avenue, ironically enough, maybe around Bannerman, uh, that part of North Main, close to St. John's Park.
0: But I'm trying to think in... 204 two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. four seven eight6868 yeah I can't think of the one in Wolseley either so the one at the West like the the Westminster uh, United Church is that is that at uh Westminster in Maryland yeah okay yeah
2: So I'm just thinking of a church <laughs> <laughs> but there might be
0: one in Wolseley. I mean, there might be there's one for one sure there
2: I'm, I'm looking I'm trying to find this now because I feel like I driven past and thought that'd be so cool anyway Carry on, my wayward son.
0: Keep those coming at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win. We're going to pick a winner in our next segment. In the meantime... We have to we just want to touch on something that we haven't discussed yet and I had missed the headline on this Greg and it has to do with our beloved Brady Oliveira running back Winnipeg running back for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers who's looking south.
1: Yeah, globalnews.ca cjb.com Oliveira looks south Blue Bombers face questions after Grey Cup losses from Judy Owen Canadian Press Brady Oliveira wants to head south this winter but not for a vacation, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers star running back said yesterday that his agent is talking to NFL teams to try to get him workouts, parlaying the personal success he had this CFL season into achieving another dream. Now, many people have to realize Brady played the University of North Dakota, Division I school. His name was, you know, sort of bandied about back in his draft year. I want to say that was twenty. 18 might've been 2019 uh, when he was drafted. There was some NFL talk about him, but here's the quote from Brady playing here is a dream, but the NFL stuff ever since I started playing football was to play at the highest possible level. He goes on to say, if the NFL doesn't work out, I want to be here in Winnipeg. And the Blue Bombers have some 30 free agents, Loren. So the number of players, and it's not dissimilar to the list of last year, Uh, CFL famous for its one-year contracts, and the Blue Bombers are not in a situation that's much different than a lot of teams. But what is different is, A, this is the only team in the league that's gone to straight Grey Cups in four seasons. Uh, they are also a team whose core is aging. And there were some questions about the age of that core from some factions, some corners, some speculators as to whether or not this team was going to be able to reachieve. Obviously, it matched last year's performance, but it's now another year older. So a uh, big question as to whether or not the Blue Bombers look to secure that core again, or if they look to go a different route. And if Brady catches on down south, that would be a huge change in terms of the personality mm-hmm. and the uh, and the construct of this roster.
2: Yeah, I mean, not just for his talent, but who he is off the field as exactly. well. Exactly. Who he is in the locker room. Does he have a shot?
1: I don't know. I would never, ever say anything disparaging about Brady Oliveira and his determination, his athleticism. Uh, and the way he played this year. I, you know, started beating the drum for him as the most outstanding player Uh, months ago uh, when it was clear that he was on to uh, doing something fairly unprecedented in this league or at least something that hadn't been done in many years. So I would never bet against him. Some of the people that I've discussed in the last several days aren't exactly sure if, uh, if he has a, a chance to catch on or not, but you don't know if you don't try and, and, and bless Brady for, for having
0: those aspirations. Yeah, I mean you 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 hate to see him go, but you wish him well. Like uh, to, 100%. to reach the the top of the mountain, you want anybody who has a chance to at least take their shot. And uh, I mean his star is just rising. Like he's already and he even said it himself, I consider myself the best player in the league and he's still a young guy. He's only 26 years of age Uh, running backs are
1: I don't want to say a dime a dozen in the national football league, but uh, it's not the same featured position as it was once upon a time. You, you tended to build your offense around uh, your left tackle, your quarterback and your running back. And now the running backs are somewhat interchangeable. If, if you have one that doesn't have a great season, you just kind of go out and get another one. And so from that point of view, that revolving door of running backs in the national football league may present an opportunity for for brady Oliveira.
2: also i just watched sorry brett i just forgot it i just watched this 48 hours ago just about success stories in the nfl and you guys are going to know this and laugh at me the quarterback who like was a grocery store clerk and then ended up with 12 years in the nfl there you go thank you just watch that movie on netflix
0: And you didn't know the you. you, I
2: had no idea the story. Oh wow! (laughs) And I'm watching this whole thing, and then I'm like, I'm an idiot. Like this is clearly like everybody knows this story, but it was kind of nice because you knew where it was going. Yeah. But just the when you get to Google it and check out the backstory and all the rest, I just I wasn't aware. I'm not a big. I don't watch a ton of. NFL, and uh, when you just mentioned about anyone wants to see someone achieve their dreams, it just triggered that I just watched that and clearly immediately forgot the whole story. So (laughs) I'll probably watch it again in a year and go, oh, wow, what a story. What a
0: story. Also, Lorena, I think Cindy has solved the mystery on the church you were thinking of on Maryland. Cindy says St. Matthew's Anglican on Maryland and St. Matthew's has hmm. been converted
1: okay, okay so further up. north up in the up up in the my part of the west end north of portage I, avenue
2: i don't think that's what i was thinking of though i, I feel, like, <laughs> you feel like i feel like Wilson? i was i think i was just looking at a church and assuming it was condos for some reason so i'll, I'll double check i'll take a look at the photo <laughs>
0: It is Mackling McGarry and McNabb were asking you about something you would like to see fixed up or something that has been fixed up and they did a great job for a chance to win tickets to see Frozen on Ice and one of our runners up here Ed with a with actually a question uh, really from uh, that I have uh, Ed says I'd like to see them put up the Christmas lights downtown like they used to it would create a canopy of brightness and warmth and I know many people who would actually go out or get taken by their parents downtown just to see mm. the lights and I guess I need to be more observant Next time I roll through downtown at night, but is it not the same? Have they scaled back on the, the number of lights they put up? Uh it's just different. What what era were we talking about here? Yeah, that's not that wasn't identified. Yeah, so they used to have the
1: lights. They used to have these string of lights and and sort of swirly. Oh, yeah, the swirlies. The the swirlies, right? The blue and gold stuff that went across, sort of went across Portage Avenue. And so it was a little bit different than it is now. It's more LED rope lighting that have been you know created and designed on the medians into different uh, displays i think there's a santa sleigh and reindeer somewhere along portage avenue and then they've got the the stars and the snowflakes and the different stuff hanging on hanging on the light standards
2: but we've said like before you know when the lights go up it's just such a nice feeling yes. that you think why couldn't we do that in different ways throughout the year you know like Agreed. if it doesn't if you don't want to keep the holiday theme then it can switch to just even the white lights Make a, make all the difference in the world, not just for safety, but it's pretty. Like he, I, it's why nobody minds anymore when Christmas lights are left up, pretty much year round on some homes. It just looks good.
0: Yeah, so that's a great, okay. So Ed, thank you for that. I forgot about the swirlies. Uh, but a runner up here, Lorraine, is Steve on a particular sign that anyone who enters shall see.
2: Steve would love to see a proper welcome to Winnipeg sign. Steve says our family enjoys road trips. And it's become an ongoing joke as we pass through any two-horse town that their welcome-to-wherever sign is nicer than ours. If you're coming into the city headed west and have to pass over the industrial ugliness of Symington Yards, least we could do is put some lipstick on it with an (laughs) ingratiating welcome. Well
0: done, Steve. Uh, yeah, like even though, you know, you go into Charleswood, they've got their welcome to Charleswood sign up, and it's very warm and welcoming. And I say that as a Transconian who a lot of Charleswoodians have had problems with over the years, but I will acknowledge their sign is great. But Greg, our winner, is actually going to tie this thing back to what inspired the topic, which is the closure of the Arlington Bridge. So, And this has me thinking of the High Line
1: in New York Just a repurposing of this piece of infrastructure. I always thought it would be a great idea to turn the Arlington Bridge into a pedestrian-only bridge and maybe park some food trucks up there in the summertime and have it like a gateway to the north end. They could light it up at night with blue or LED lights, something like that, and make it a very attractive area for people to walk up to and walk over to the north end
2: cool it kind of ties back into my idea where i want a playground where it's play at your own risk
1: you can build you a walk, playground up walk there. your
2: bridge at the own at your own risk and get some food be an adventure <laughs>
0: <laughs> i love it so congratulations you're a winner going to see frozen in concert this weekend at the centennial concert hall with the
9: wso that is jeff klein just got the name so congratulations jeff way to go